0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem, the stakes are increasing. Of course, he knows that he's going to Jerusalem to die for your sins. Last week, we heard how Jesus was preaching repentance to all. This week, we meet some of the Pharisees and the scribes who didn't exactly appreciate his call to repentance. The scribes and the Pharisees are grumbling to each other. You know, speaking of repentance, Jesus of Nazareth, look at these people that you associate with. What's more, they draw near to you to hear you. This man, they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them understand that tax collectors were really hated people, even more so than they are nowadays. Um, And it was because they were seen as people who had betrayed Israel, because they were collecting taxes on behalf of their occupying Roman imperialists. Uh, And plus, a lot of times when they collected taxes, they collected a little extra and skimmed it off the top and enriched themselves. So tax collectors were very much hated. And when it says sinners, this would be people who are um, humble. They're, they're poor. Uh, they are, um, a lot of them were uh, sickly. Uh, they might have had uh, a lame leg or a, they were blind or, uh, mute or something like that. And the reason they're called sinners is because there was this, this, this idea, this notion that, well, if he was born blind, somebody must have sinned that he would be born that way. You know, so there's a, it's a sin that's brought that on. There's a, a direct, this is a direct judgment of, of their sin. That's the way they're looking at it. And these are the people, well, people with sickness, disease, people who are unwell, people who are tax collectors, Basically, people that you don't want around if you're a nice, self-righteous Pharisee. And they're all coming around Jesus, and he says, come on. And he has that. And not only are they drawing near to him, but he's actually eating with them. He's, he's, he's uh, receiving them hospitably. Boy, they don't like that. Jesus breaks bread with these dirt bags. What is he thinking? Doesn't he know how utterly contemptible these people are i mean no self-respecting jew would entertain table fellowship with such people yet here is jesus who all the world is gathering around to hear and see and he is stooping to this level so in response to these grumblings jesus tells three parables the parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin and now the parable we read this morning which is the uh, so-called parable of the prodigal son And I say so-called parable because, uh, or so-called prodigal son, because I prefer the title, the parable of the gracious father. uh, Because that really is the message that Jesus was giving them. It wasn't so much about the son, it was more about the father. There was a man with two sons. The younger son desired to receive his inheritance now. He didn't want to wait for it. go ahead and die now, dad, and just give me what's coming to me. That's basically what he was saying. In the context, I mean, that would be offensive now. I mean, you know, that would be very offensive now. But in that context, it was super offensive. I mean, it was subversive, not just within the family, but to the whole community. This idea that the son would ask for his inheritance from his father and uh, receive it that way. His father would have to Divide up his his holdings and have to find a cash buyer so he can sell off part of it and give the inheritance to his son. Um, in first century Palestine, in that context, this would have been absurd, absolutely absurd. Um, and what did the father do? He did exactly what he asked. He did the absurd. <laughs> So the son took the money and he left town and he squandered the inheritance. It it says reckless living. We don't know whether he really, you know, spent it on prostitutes or not. That's just an accusation of his older brother. But we do know that he squandered his money in reckless living. And now here he is living in a foreign country, starving to death, tending pigs. Think about that. Pigs are unclean animals, according to the ceremonial law. A Jew would not ever a good self-respecting Jew would not ever be associated with pigs and here he is their caretaker and what's more he's actually looking at these pods they're eating now there was a famine the text says there was a famine in the land when there was a famine there was this i don't i don't, I don't know the scientific name but there was a particular particularly malnutritious uh, seed pod that they would give to pigs pigs would scrounge them up and eat them but for humans, it's like, it's not even nutritious. I mean, it's just, not, a, not only would it taste bad, but it's not even nutritious. And yet, that's what he's longing for. Oh, if I could just eat that. So he's basically in dire straits. You know, this is where the sun finds himself. <clears throat> and some people do, in fact, need to hit rock bottom. I mean, they do. They need to hit the bottom before they can start climbing their way out but as he's there in this, in this, uh, pit, uh, eating, uh, longing to eat from what the pigs are eating in an, uh, in a in a pigsty, he remembers his father and he remembers that estate. And he says, you know, even the servants there had it better off. Even my dad's servants. I mean, they, they had plenty to eat at least it was a hard life. Sure. But at least they had plenty to eat. How many? He said, "How many of my father's hired, hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger?" And so he resolves, "I'm going home. I am going home." And he prepares a speech. I mean, he's not a fool. Apparently, he knows he's he's he knows that he did wrong, and he knows that he's going to need to uh, make amends or do something. So he's got. He gets his speech together, Father. I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is first petition to his father. The second one, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then his third petition, treat me as one of your hired servants. I mean, after all, treat me as your hired servant. I'll be doing better off that way than if I'm back here starving to death. <clears throat> Seems like a prudent plan, I would say. I mean, his father will certainly and wisely have some conditions, you know. I mean, his father's not a fool either. He's going to have some conditions for his son before he'll receive him back. He can't, the son can't expect to just waltz right on back into the estate and be like, here I am. No, he's going to have to pay his dues. And, and he's prepared for that. He is. He's got the speech down. Father, not asking for a handout. I'm going to earn my keep. Notice what the passage says. As the son was coming home, while he was still a long way off, he's still a long way off, and his father sees him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father is waiting and he's watching. He's anticipating the return of his son. And the text says he ran. Oh, let me tell you, that is shocking. A man of repute in this culture would never run. That would be absolutely degrading. Absolutely not. You know, there's like a, a confidence and a gusto with which they carry themselves. And they would never be seen running after someone. That would just be humiliating. Oh no, (laughs) forget about all those conventions. I am running to my son. I've been sitting here keeping watch, waiting for him to come home. I'm running to him. And that's what the father does. He embraced him. He kissed him. Now remember, the son had rehearsed his speech. So here goes. Dad, I'm going to give you the speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Got it. Two, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's all he said. Wasn't there a third statement? There was. Ah, yes. Treat me as one of your hired servants. That was the third statement. So why doesn't he say it? Maybe it's because the father stopped him. Possibly it's because he's reached true repentance. He's come to understand who his father is. See, the third third statement, treat me as one of your hired servants, is really an insult. Think about it. His father has been waiting for him to come back. And he runs out to greet him. It would be an insult now to say, treat me as your hired servant. That's, these are not the actions of a father uh, or the actions of a, of a taskmaster running out to greet his long lost hired servant. No, he's greeting his son. So it would be an insult. I mean, imagine this, this, this how this comes across. Gracious Father, I know you're compassionate. I know you wait for me, a sinner. I know that you humiliate yourself by running to me. I know that you're quick to forgive. But I reject your grace. I reject it. I'm not asking any special treatment from you. I just want to earn my keep. Treat me as your hired servant. That is the piece that he did not say. And I don't, and I, I can't say whether it's because he came to repentance and saw that there was no need to say that or whether the father stopped him and said, do not ask me to do this thing. Either way, the point is the same. That's not the father and the son. That's not the way this works. <clears throat> I mean, the, the better way uh, to say this would be gracious father, Your love is made clear. Your grace abounds. I am unworthy, and yet I know that because of who you are, I will be your son once more. Now, of course, this is wonderful, and this calls for a feast. But not everyone appreciates the feast. The older brother, who I'm sure none of you can relate to, just can't get over the outpouring of love that the father expresses toward this your son. Notice that <laughs> it's not my brother. This your son. Actually, I've heard that expression before. You know what your son did. <laughs> Do you know what your daughter did today? <clears throat> no. Not my brother, but your son. The older brother is a lot like the Pharisees and the scribes, and, and that's the proper way to see him in this par- to see the older brother and the scribes and the Pharisees in this parable. They're, they're the same. They don't care much for the idea that God would show mercy to those who are utterly contemptible sinners. The older brother even goes so far as to accuse the younger brother of wasting his money and squandering it on prostitutes. I mean, it was reckless living, but there's a lot of ways you can live recklessly that don't involve prostitutes. But what is the older brother actually saying in all of this? Think about it. He's saying, Father, I have served you. I have earned my own righteousness, Father. I'm not asking for your grace and your mercy. I'm asking for just for justice. That's all I want. And ultimately what he's saying is, Father, you are a taskmaster that must be served and appeased. How insulting to this gracious, loving father. It's an insult to him. But of course, the father is still that same gracious and loving father. So what does he say to the older brother? He came out and he entreated him. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It's all yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father expresses the same love for both brothers. How does the older brother respond? Well, the parable was aimed at the scribes and the Pharisees. That's who the older brother represents. So you can remember, uh, recall Jesus' desire, as, he, as we read last week to, you know, as he looked over Jerusalem, he said, my, you know, how long would I have gathered you under my wings like a hen protecting her chicks? But you wouldn't. You know, so the desire of the father is to save, even as Jesus tells this rebuking parable, his desire is to save all, everyone. Scribes, Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners, you, 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 me, everyone. His desire is to save all of us. No one is excluded from this. Jesus is going to continue reaching out to these people. And what are they going to do? They're going to betray him. They're going to turn him over to Pontius Pilate. They're going to crucify him. But some would be saved afterwards. You know, when Peter preached many days later and said, this Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, there were 3,000 people cut to the heart. So it's, it's not like these scribes and Pharisees universally were lost they, that many of them were redeemed. And thankfully, because they're part of the foundation of our church. Think of the Apostle Paul. He was zealot Pharisee number one. The important matter in this parable is to capture what Jesus is saying about God the Father. Slow to anger, merciful, abounding in steadfast love. And Perhaps you've squandered your life in reckless living. Come to him. Come to him. He receives you with open arms. Perhaps you relate more to the older brother and you've been working for your own righteousness as though God were a taskmaster that you need to serve. Leave that behind and come to him, your gracious Heavenly Father, whom you do not need to serve. He desires to give everything to us. The Father, our Heavenly Father, is running to you. Oh no, God, he's way up in the heavens. He, wouldn't, he doesn't know about little old me. Yes, he does. He's running to you. He runs to meet you. He puts a ring on your finger. He puts a robe on you, a robe of righteousness. He has a feast for you, a feast that we have, where he gives us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with him. I mean, to be truthful with you, you know, I I wasn't exactly a Boy Scout, but I, I kind of, you know, sort of. Well, I, I guess I kind of, as a child, sort of looked and thought, well, God must grade on a curve. I'm doing all right, you know, as long as he's grading on a curve, sort of the thing. So I can relate more to the older brother, you know, because my righteousness was sort of built on this. Well, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little better than my friends, my peers, as far as my personal piety. What utter rot. What, what utter rot. All of us really should be able to relate with this younger son. I mean, that's really the, the point in this. You know, we 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 should all be able to relate with a young a younger son because we have squandered many things. I mean, you look back on your life and it's like all oh, of there's many things I've squandered, and yet, you know, we don't we, we shouldn't be disheartened. God accomplishes exactly what, what he wills and, and he accomplishes it. So let go of it. I mean, if if there is, you know, maybe perhaps you identify with that and you you say, I have squandered. Well, Let go of it. God is running to you to meet you and to give to you. And he has all good things for you. Be filled with joy. Receive that. Celebrate the feast with God. You've been baptized in Christ. Your sins are washed away entirely. And in this sacrament, you're invited to come to the banquet that God has prepared for you. Come and enjoy the meal that the Father has prepared for you. Thanks be to God.